Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Very Cold Lasagna Podcast, your place for all those filthy casual takes on the world of sports. I am your host, Dylan Lasagna. This is episode number 179 of this icy yet spicy sports podcast. And in this episode, we are here to talk about a WWE pay-per-view, or as the kids like to say, premium live event that took place this past Saturday, January 27th, 2024. And that was the WWE Royal Rumble. The 2024 37th annual Royal Rumble event took place this past Saturday. And I'm here to provide you my kinda late, out-of-date review of that event that took place. So, yeah, I have a lot of thoughts on this uh, pay-per-view that only had four matches on the card, but was a kind of long show. But nonetheless, we're here to talk about it as we kicked off the road to WrestleMania XL, aka WrestleMania 40. So before we begin our review, before we begin our journey in this episode, a little bit of housekeeping before we begin. Make sure you follow me on social media on the X or Instagram at Very Cold Lasagna. If you're listening to this on audio, for all my audio-only listeners out there on the podcast, whether it's on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, make sure you rate and review the show, one to five stars, however you want to rate it. Um, and make sure you leave a review uh, as well. Give me some feedback where, where I can improve upon the show. And if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure leave a like, smash the subscribe button especially, and leave a comment with your own takes on what I have, what I'm talking about in each and every episode. And as always, make sure you share this with your friends, share this with a stranger, share this with your coworkers, or just share this with just about anybody um, with all the good, the bad, the anything that I have to say here on Veracle Lasagna. So make sure you spread the good word or even the bad ones about Veracle Lasagna. And let's keep this ball rolling with that icy yet spicy lasagna. So anyway, let's talk about this 2024 WWE Royal Rumble taking place on January 26, uh, 27th, sorry, 2024. Um, this actually was announced um, to be taking place back in September um, and would be emulating in Tampa, Florida or St. Petersburg, um, as they like to uh, proclaim it, which actually was, by the way. It would emulate from St. Petersburg, Florida in the Tampa Bay region in Tropicana Field. So that's home of the Major League Baseball's Tampa Bay Rays team. So for those of you that not really keen on sports, but I just let the give you a little bit of an education. So WWE actually has previously used the stadium before. Um, so they had a Royal Rumble in that stadium. So that was back in 2021 during the COVID-19 pandemic and there were no fans in this uh, Royal Rumble. They used the the screens, the Thunderdome, for so people were technically in attendance, just you know, not there in 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 person. Like you know, the screens like they were you know for NBA games. Um, so yeah, it was like it was pretty much the so-called Thunderdome. So no fans were in attendance for that one. Uh, the winners of those matches were Edge and Bianca Belair. So there you go. So for those unfamiliar with what exactly the Royal Rumble event is, it houses the traditional Royal Rumble match, or in recent years, matches. So there are two 30-person matches, uh, one for the men, one for the women, that take place. So two wrestlers that drew number one and number two start off the match with more wrestlers coming in at 90-second intervals with another number that they drew until the 30th and final participant comes in. So... This match continues until each and every participant uh, gets eliminated. And how they get eliminated, they go over the top rope with both feet touching the floor, um, whether it's over the top rope or they're on the apron and their feet um, get touched on the floor. So the winner is by whoever's left last standing. And the prize for winning this match earns a world championship match of their choosing at WrestleMania. Or in this case, WrestleMania Extra Large. <laughs> Side note, I don't know why Triple H didn't make a little behind on that. You know, it's XL. Extra large, man. Take advantage of it. So anyway, that choice comes in either the WWE or World Heavyweight Championship for the men's side. And on the women's side, you have the Women's World Championship or the WWE Women's title for the women. So there you go. So now that you're caught up on the rules, a little bit of uh, background on this Royal Rumble event. Let's talk about the actual show itself. 
So Hulk Hogan, uh, brother, he did the cold open. People were a little skeptical, a little concerned that he was going to participate physically in this Royal Rumble match. Um, I, I was a little too because, you know, he had several back surgeries, brother, and I'm very concerned about your health at your age. So I love, I, I love some Hulk Hogan. I mean, as the wrestler, of course, but it's like, pump the brakes, brother. Like, I don't want you getting hurt. So for people that were worried about Hogan doing more than an actual cold, cold open, they didn't have anything to worry about on this, on that night. So Hulk Hogan introduced everybody to the Royal Rumble. And before we got the actual uh, festivity started, we got the return of Pat McAfee back on commentary. So not only was he on for just one match, he was there for the whole show. So good to always hear Pat McAfee. And yeah, a little side note. It, it kind of sucks what his uh, uh, show is going on with ESPN. And kind of expected uh, what would happen. But I mean, he's making that bank. So can't blame him. Really can't blame him. So we got the thing, we got the ball rolling with the first match of the night, and that was the women's Royal Rumble match. 30 women, uh, last woman standing, would get a world, women's championship match at WrestleMania. So this is the sixth, or sorry, seventh uh, iteration of the women's Royal Rumble match. And this one, actually, actually I think, has the mo had the most intrigue going into it because in contrast to nearly half of them, like half of the women's Royal Rumble matches prior to it, you at least had multiple picks um, going into it. You could at least come up with several scenarios where you could lay out, oh, who was going to win this uh, Royal Rumble match and lay out several scenarios of uh, which champion they would face um, as I get my water here. And throughout the month of January, said picks, you know, each made their case um, as to why and even teased potential WrestleMania matchups. So I, I kind of appreciated that part. Um, from Triple H, so you did you, you you did what you could. So some of those announced participants included Nia Jax, Bailey, Becky Lynch, and Bianca Belair. So the the four big names um, out of this pool. Um, the latter two were favorites to win this match, um, and of, of course there was also Bailey. So let's talk about the match itself. So starting out at number one and number two was Natalia, and then that number two was the return of Naomi. So Naomi, for those that don't know, um, this was her first appearance in WWE since almost two years ago, May of 2022. She walked out of WWE with Sasha Banks. And I think, you know, in my opinion, I talked about this already um, at the time it happened. Like, I feel like Naomi didn't really want to do it. Like, she she was kind of, like, lost in translation when it happened. Um, but, hey, she wanted, I mean, she wanted to do this... Um, Thing on her own with TNA, she went on to become the Knockouts Champion as Trinity kind of you know revitalized herself a little bit, and now well she's back in WWE, um, and it even acknowledged that she was the TNA Knockouts Champion. So, hey, that's something I guess. So anyway, they start off the match. Bailey, one of the key Rumble uh, favorites, enters at number three, and then as with these Rumble matches, I'm probably just gonna keep uh, pointing out like several highlights because. I mean, not really a whole lot happens in these Rumble matches until, like, the later stages. So, let's just keep it going. So, anyway, at number five, you had Jordan Grace, the TNA Knockouts Champion, that actually dethroned Naomi for those that didn't know. Certainly, I didn't. Certainly, didn't. I didn't know who Jordan Grace was or nor this happened just weeks prior. So, until they acknowledged it. So, yeah. Everyone was wondering, like, who the heck is Jordan Grace? <laughs> Don't worry. I didn't either. I didn't either. So anyway, Oscar came out at number seven. Bailey initially did not look pleased that Oscar was uh, coming out, uh, but you know, despite her obliviousness, they still worked together. Both of them eliminated Indy Hartwell, and then several pick, uh, several uh, entries later, Bianca Belair came out at number ten. She, like I said, last won the Royal Rumble back in 2021 in that same stadium, and she nearly eliminated Bailey and Oscar, but. Kyrie Sane next came out at number 11 to complete nearly all of damage control. Um, of course, there's no Eosky, no Dakota Kai, uh, still injured. And they went on to eliminate Candice Ray and a couple others. Um, there's one point in the match where Natalia tried to eliminate her tag team partner, Tegan Knox, but then she got eliminated by her. And then immediately afterwards, Tegan Knox 
eliminated Bailey. So, yeah, Bailey did us a favor, I guess. Um, there's one cool spot in the match where Kyrie tried to save herself from elimination. Um, and she was like nearly on the verge of elimination. Like she was keeping her feet kind of like that Spider-Man meme where in Spider-Man 2, Peter Parker is like trying to like pull on the train. He's like, <laughs> so anyway, um, how you're saying was like hanging on for dear life um, from elimination. She's having her feet on the LED ring apron, but uh, she just simply couldn't hang on. She lost all her strength and she was eliminated. And then Oscar was eliminated seconds later, uh, surprisingly by Kane Carter, Katana chance and Bianca. And then you saw Bailey screaming. It's like, Hey, I thought you had a plan. And yeah, I thought they had a plan too, because you know, I thought, they were going to go in motion with a certain thing that was going to happen much later on in this Royal Rumble match. But more on that in a bit. So anyway, Bianca eliminated Jordan Grace at the KOD on the ring apron after they fought each other for a couple minutes. And then much later on, you had Nia Jax entering at number 19. And man, she went on a tear. She won an, on an absolute tear in this match. She not immediately matched two eliminations she continued to dominate for a large portion of this Royal Rumble match until, yeah, you had the, the man, the man, uh, uh, Becky Lynch come in at number 21. Um, and even with Becky Lynch coming in there, it's like Nia Jax was pretty much dominating um, that Royal Rumble by that point. Valhalla, a.k.a. Sarah Logan, entered at number 24. <laughs> this is funny. Like, our truth he, he came out for whatever reason and... Yeah, he he was going to come into the Royal Rumble. <laughs> and he was eliminated by Nia Jax. And yeah, he started an argument with Adam Pearce and Valhalla. And then Valhalla went to the match and was officially eliminated by Nia Jax. I love R-Truth, man. Like, protect this man at all costs. It's like, when you think that R-Truth is on the decline, no, he, he proves you wrong, man. He proves you wrong with how, how funny he is. This is this is a great moment from our truth. So Nijax continued to clean house. Um, several several eliminations dominating the field, and then the storm of was a Bruin. The storm came in Tropicana Field. The Rays were calling, and then at number twenty eight, Jade Cargill from AEW, formerly from AEW, uh, was training for several months. And now here she is. Jade Cargill made her official WWE debut at number 28. And wow. Wow. I, I that was that was a big debut. Um and she was she looked like a star, man. I'll I'll give her that. Um sir, there's still some things to clean up, but they made her look like a star and like right away. Everyone was was cheering for her, everyone was popping for her. And she made a statement immediately. Um, she lifted Nia Jax, albeit not too cleanly, but nonetheless, that's expected. But she was she looked like a force in there. She eliminated Nia Jax like right out of the get-go. And Becky was like stunned, but also happy at the same time. And then Jake was looking like, bitch, what are you smiling about? <laughs> it's like, you're trying to you're you're stealing my thunder. Perhaps teasing to uh something down the line. Maybe. But anyway, um, yeah, those two went at it um, as former NXT Women's Champion that got robbed by Vaman, Tiffany Stratton entered at number 29 and showed exactly to the mainstream audience why she, exactly she's a future star, man. She came in there, swanton bomb uh, everybody in the field with their athleticism. Dude, like, if you see Tiffany Stratton in there in that Royal Rumble, like, she's, like, going around, like, flipping around. Like, not just, like, oh, I can do flips and kicks. No, she can actually wrestle, man. She can actually wrestle. So she's going out there, showing off her athleticism. And then we get to number 30. Everyone's speculating who it is. Is it going to be Sasha Banks? Is it going to be AJ Lee? And then we get to the actual 30 spot. And then number 30 hits. You better watch her. Because Liv Morgan is back. Liv Morgan makes her long way return from injury. And then, for whatever reason, people are pissed. People are pissed at this. Like, what the hell were you expecting? Were you, were you expecting those two names I just mentioned? Were you expecting some other name to show up? Like, come on, man. No, I thought 
I thought that she wasn't going to show up because, like, we were, like, down to the nitty-gritty. But she was right there. She was right there. Number 30, making her long way return from injury. And, of course, the other, other legal issues with the weed that she shouldn't be smoking. Uh, but nonetheless, she's there. Number 30 in her new cry about it uh, regime that people are kind of hyping up now. And she went right back to work trying to achieve what she failed to do last year. Eliminating Zoe Stark, going ham on Tiffany Stratton. And then later on, you see Jade Cargill eliminating both Naomi and Becky. And I was, I was, I was up in my seat. I was saying, thank you, Jade. Thank you, Jade, for eliminating Becky. We're not, we're like this close for, for achieving the dream, for living, for living. And then Bailey eliminates both Bianca and Tiffany. And Tiffany trying to save herself by hanging on to Bianca's braid. And like, damn, that must have really hurt. That must have really hurt. So anyway, we get to the final three. Jade, Bailey, and Liv. And then, this is where things get really, un like, on the edge of your seats. This was pretty unpredictable. Um, because you, you, could, you, you, you could make a serious case for all three of them. Like I said, I've been highly advocated for Liv to win this Royal Rumble. Because, well, you got a laid out story with uh, Rhea right there. But at the same time, yeah, you have Bailey, um, who's going to go after EO. And then Jade. Well, I mean, yeah, there's still work to be done with her, but if you want to make a star out of her, then sure, why not? So both of them got de dominated by by Jade, and then but Bailey and Liv worked together to eliminate uh, Jade as Liv eliminated her with a pretty sick oblivion that sent Jade Cargill flying off the apron. But then this is kind of a weird rushed finish. I like, I didn't like the finish here um, because for whatever reason, you know, she Liv decided to gloat. Um, on the apron, like she was lying there, and then she was like smiling, but then that left her prone for Bailey to simply kick her off the apron and then win the women's war rumble. So, like, there was a little bit of hope, there was a little bit of optimism that you know, as soon as Liv eliminated a uh, Jade, and I was like, Yes, we're down to the final two, it's Liv and Bailey, it's like we're gonna achieve the dream of Liv winning the rumble, and then. Bailey eliminates her. It's like my heart sunk. My heart sunk, damn it. <laughs> it's like they gave me false hope yet again. It's like, I think I can compare this to the, my 49ers. Like, getting, like, their heart sunk for two years straight in the NFC Championship game. You know, losing that heartbreaker to the Rams in 21. And then getting, getting absolutely pummeled with no quarterback in 2022. This feels kind of the same with Liv Morgan, man. It's like, what more did they want want or want out of her? I mean, I get it, you know, the the legal, the the weed stuff didn't help. But even prior to that, it's like, what more do you want out of her? Like, what more do you want uh, out of Liv Morgan? It's like, she's runner up now for two years straight, made it to the final two, but kind of like ousted unceremoniously this time. It's like, damn. It's like, damn. But anyway, uh, the the match itself, uh, I can I gotta say. Everything prior to um, Nia Jax and Becky Lynch uh, coming in. Pretty botchy, man. Pretty botchy. Pretty sloppy. Probably more slop. Probably the sloppiest I've seen since, well, the initial Royal Rumble in 2018. It's like, this is messy. This is pretty messy. And, like, more than half of the crowd did, like, actually all the crowd didn't really give a shit about more than half of the field prior to the bottom half of the the field, so it's like that's anyway, that's pretty telling of how badly no, Triple knows Triple H is booking the women's division, and well, that's just an indication of the, the entire roster in general. Like, there's no star power um, in in the the main roster other than a few select names. So it's like, damn, if you really want to try to make professional wrestling kind of relevant, it's like you gotta book you gotta book better stories and characters, man. So anyway. The back half was was really fun. It was really unpredictable um, to watch with a lot of intense eliminations, um, a lot of like unpredictability. Because, like I said, there were three women in there with like a lot of a, a big cases of, you know, they could go to WrestleMania and face so and so. But again, I wasn't a real fan of the ending because I thought they should have let Liv and Bailey have some breathing room. You know, actually 
go to di- go the distance. You know, a little bit been a little bit more respectable uh, way for you know if th- that was still the ending. No, at least I would have kind of understood. You know, live falling just a little bit short again. Uh, at least put on a little bit more respectable showing. But no, it's like it's just they just rushed to the ending again. So it felt like a repeat of last year. So let's talk about the winner first, uh, Bailey, because I talked about this a couple weeks ago on the podcast. I expected it. It was one of my picks. Um, and yeah, they also pretty much telegraphed it the day before on SmackDown. They showed this vignette, like how important this Rumble victory means to Bailey, because um, she was one, a key figure during the pandemic. Um, and then she got injured with the ACL. She was supposed to face Bianca. Um, but that didn't happen. And then she re- rebuilt herself with damage control. And then, yeah, it also was kind of telegraphed too with Oscar and Kyrie Sane winning the tag team title. So everyone but her, and of course Dakota Kai, because she's injured, um, was holding all the gold. So I'm happy for Bailey in, in a sense, because, you know, don't get me wrong. She's from the San Francisco Bay Area. Bay Area. She's from San Jose. Um, she's a San Francisco 49er fan. So. I can't really knock her for that. I really can't knock for from that because you know Bay Area represent man, um, and she's at least the one horsewoman I can kind of bear with. She's not totally unbearable like you know Charlotte and Becky, but you know at the same time, um, it still leaves me uh, a little disappointed because you know you had an opportunity here to have Liv Morgan, um, who made her long a turn a return to achieve some redemption from last year. And win it all, you know. It's right there for the taking too, um, to make an actual story um, out of her um, and jumpstart that story between her and Rhea. But I don't think even with the elimination chamber, it's probably not going to happen. Um, I mean, you know, I'm kind of pessimistic, but yeah, what can you do? And then I know where this is going with Bailey and damage control, but it just feels to me. I don't know. It's just my opinion. It feels kind of backwards. It feels kind of like backwards booking. It does. It kind of makes sense, but it also doesn't make sense because it makes sense because, you know, she completes her career accolades, you know, raw SmackDown women's champion, um, tag team champion, uh, money in the bank, women's Royal rumble winner now. Oh, NXT women's champion. But, you know, it doesn't make sense either because it's a step backwards in trying to build up this eventual match with EO sky at WrestleMania. Because there could have been better ways to build up to that eventual match. Instead of trying to compare it, try to make it so similar to the much more... Like, again, there's been a lot of comparisons uh, lately to um, trying to make EO versus Bailey um, to what Batista and Triple H did in 2005. When when you look at it much more deeper, um, Batista, you know, he was still pretty young. Like, he was still being groomed that groomed future star that Ric Flair and Triple H were getting ready to um, have him blossom out of his own eventually. Um, but then, you know, in actuality, they were using him. But for Bailey, it's like she's already accomplished so much. Like, she's nearly accomplished everything but the Royal Rumble. And then, you know, when when you have damage control there, um, yeah, I mean, they're not, they're kind of using her, but it's just like, damn. It just feels. It just doesn't feel. It just doesn't hit as effectively as if what they could have done was have you know Bailey cost them um, the the tag team titles the the night prior, and that could have been like the last straw. And then Bailey gets turned on inside the Royal Rumble match by Damage Control, and then yeah, make, that would make Bailey a much more sympathetic figure. Have her go through the Elimination Chamber and earn her way to uh, Eo Sky at WrestleMania. So wouldn't that make make have a much more impactful, uh, impactful uh, babyface and much more sympathetic to the eyes of not just hardcore fans but casual fan, kind of casual fans too. So I feel like they're kind of booking this a little bit backwards, if not more backwards in my opinion. I mean, yeah, I'm a little bit biased towards you know Liv, but I just feel like for Bailey, I mean, no knock on her at all because. She does kind of deserve this because <laughs> she's been jobbing out, but also losing. So they have a they have some work to do if they want to make her like into a more credible challenger again. So I just feel like there could have been better ways to do this. There could have been better ways to um, 
book book this match between this eventual match between Bailey and Neo Sky at WrestleMania. Sure, they'll say, oh, we're gonna go. She's gonna go after Rhea um, at Wrestle at at WrestleMania, but eventually she's gonna go after ba- uh, Io. And oh, one more thing, like it was Triple H that convinced that convinced uh, Batista to go after JBL first. Bailey's the one that said, "Oh, I'm I'm gonna go after Rhea." So she's she didn't. It, if I remember correctly, I don't recall EO Sky telling uh, Bailey to, "Hey, if you're gonna go and enter this Royal Rumble, um, you you should go after Rhea," because you know essentially Bailey is the 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 second in the second in charge or the the de facto second in charge because well she said Dakota's the mastermind in all this. So it's like, man, I don't know why they're doing this kind of thing. It's pretty confusing. It's like I said, backwards. It's pretty backwards. So now, it, yeah, it, they leave themselves convoluted, and in this, in an essence, they kind of fucked Liv Morgan's return already. Um, but we'll see it play out. But I don't know. I'm just being maybe it's just me being pessimistic. So I. I I could see them probably booking an elimination chamber match to determine who's going to be Rhea's number one contender. And they're probably going to have Liv in it. They're probably going to have Becky in it, Nia Jax. Um, and then whoever's going to be in the rest of the, the other spots. But if that match comes down to Liv and Becky, uh, I could see the inevitable happening. Um, and the not, the not good kind of inedible. So stay tuned for that. So, Alas, I mean, let's see it played out. Um, let's see what happens. And um kind of pessimistic as to what's going to happen between um, Liv, Becky, Rhea. But I mean, maybe more, more optimistic about what happens with Jade Cargill, though. Um, and let's see what happens with Bailey and Damage Control. So let's see. Either way, Bailey is your Royal Rumble winner. And uh, let, if, let's see if they try to pull this off in any sort of way. Next up, we had the undisputed WWE champion Roman Reigns taking on Randy Orton, the Viper, AJ Styles, the Phenomenal One, and L.A. Knight. Yeah. This feud was first ignited back in September when Jimmy Uso, Solo Sokoa were feuding with AJ Styles. They rode him off TV with an injury angle, and that led to L.A. Knight, yeah, stepping in and replacing him uh, as John Cena's tag team partner. Yes, someone dropped a big thing in <laughs> In the background. Anyway, so John Cena uh, had a new tag team partner in LA Knight um, for Fastlane. And that eventually led to LA Knight eventually challenging Roman Reigns for the undisputed WWE title at Crown Jewel. Um, which he lost due to some bloodline shenanigans. Um, meanwhile, Randy Orton made his return a couple weeks later at Survivor Series. And after helping up the Super Friends, excuse me, beat the Judgment Day in War Games. Uh, he went over to SmackDown. He signed uh, exclusively there um, to go after Roman Reigns um, and because he was out for revenge um, for the bloodline, taking him out, uh, minus Solo Sokoa because he wasn't there yet, uh, for taking him out last year when, you know, in reality, that was like a cover-up for him, taking time off for that long year-long back injury that he had. So Randy Orton, LA Knight, and then AJ Styles made his return from getting run off TV um, so they were butting heads over who would get the first crack at getting on revenge for Roman first. So Nick Aldis, the general manager, arranged a three-way at New Year's Revolution, and the winner would get Roman Reigns at the Royal Rumble. But then Roman Reigns is like, yeah, I don't know about that. That's not going to work for me, brother. So he and the rest of the bloodline would attack all of them, and as Roman Reigns was gloating, it's like, yeah, I, I, I'm too good for this shit. So... Nick Aldis was in the background telling Paul Heyman, he's saying, congratulations, Paul, Mr. Heyman. Tell Roman Reigns that he earned himself a fatal four-way at the Royal Rumble. So, Roman Reigns is not pleased about this. Paul Heyman was not pleased about this. So, two weeks later, Roman Reigns initially threatened not to defend his title, um, but after Nick Aldis gave him his own threat of making this a three-way for the vacant title, Reigns side on the dotted line, and made it official. So that's where we are with this undisputed WWE Championship match. Now, I'm not going to lie. Uh, this Bloodline thing, 
as Roman Reigns thing. I mean, I love Roman Reigns' tribal chief run and what he's done, but it's like they really haven't had a lot of material for Roman to work with, like since SummerSlam. It's like it's been kind of a drag, to be honest with you. Um, and I just feel like they're tr they're really trying to get to um, that point at WrestleMania. What that is, I don't know. I really don't know. So anyway, let's talk about this match itself because you have a four way, four uh, four stars here, and it began with a little bit of initial disagreement between the ch the three challengers, but then they turned their attention to the champion Roman. So they went after his ass. They took they took him down, but then you had LA Knight and AJ Styles going at it. Um, then that turned into a traditional four way, and then things initially got a little chaotic. Um, and then they started going after each other. Um, you had LA Knight and Randy Orton trying to outdo each other with the, the back body drop on the announce table. And then Orton actually did the, the back body drop on LA Knight. Yeah. But then eventually Roman Reigns slowed the pace down and then started dominating LA Knight, AJ Styles before Knight got his comeback rally in. And then there were points in the match where each challenger thought they had the match won. So, First was LA Knight. He had a nice sequence going in, hitting a top rope bulldog on Randy Orton, hitting his jumping superplex onto AJ Styles, and then he hit the BFT, the blunt force trauma, onto Roman Reigns, but AJ broke up the pin. So then it was Styles' turn to get the close finish, hitting the Styles Clash on Roman, but then LA Knight broke it up. So Randy Orton, he had the best chance of winning the four-way. Um, hitting three straight RKOs on Knight, Styles, and Roman. Now keep in mind, I don't, I'm not sure where exactly uh, happened in this um, scenario, but Orin was favoring his shoulder, and I'm hoping he was seriously injured because, damn, it's like he just came back, man. He's like we, he can't afford, to, we can't afford to lose him already. It's like we need him for that one match at WrestleMania where this time it counts. So anyway, um, Roman is about to lose his title to. Randy Orton, but as soon as we get that two count, that two and a half count, Solitico, of course, <laughs> pulls the official out of the ring because, yeah, you can't have a Roman Reigns title defense without some bloodline shenanigans uh, because that wasn't going to work for the tribal chief. So, Solo went ham on LA Knight and Randy Orton, hitting the Samoan spike, um, but as he tried to go for the hip attack on AJ Styles, uh, he missed, went through the barricade, and then AJ hit the phenomenal forearm on Roman, and then he stacked him and pinned him um, onto everybody, but then they all kicked out. So he tried to do what the Tribal Chief did to Edge and Daniel Bryan, but nope, it didn't work. So AJ Styles decides to get a chair, but Roman hits a spear on Randy Orton out of nowhere um, after AJ, uh, after Randy Orton reversed uh, AJ's attempt on it. And then LA Knight dodged a spear and then got one last uh, rally in hitting the LA Knight elbow, but the BFT was reversed this time on Roman uh, by Roman, and then as AJ Styles was readying up the phenomenal forearm, uh, Roman pushed Knight into the, the ring ropes, and that caused AJ Styles to fall off the ropes and allow Roman to hit the Superman punch and spear AJ Styles to retain the WWE title. So, this, I mean, yeah, people had mixed feelings about this, uh, Fatal four-way match, but you know, I, I thought the I thought the changeup and making this a fatal four-way match was fine. I thought it was I thought I thought it was a nice change of pace. I mean, it wasn't certainly Roman's best title defenses, um, but it's certainly the best one. I mean, yeah, this is probably a controversial opinion, but I thought it was the best one he's had um in a long, a very long while. Um, probably since last year. Last year, WrestleMania. It feels like an eternity um, since that happened. So, yeah, we all knew what the result was going to be. But it's like, damn. It's like, damn. Like, all four men, you know, they had plenty of time to shine um, in this match. You know, state their claim as to why this should be the, the WWE champion. But, of course, the Tribal Chief remind uh, them whose game it is. Like, they, there was really a, a case where you really didn't need the bloodline interference. You really didn't need Solo to come into this match and interfere. This, you know, even though it's no disqualification, but you you could have made a case in point 
of having Roman win clean in this match. So it was a little bit questionable as to why Solo interfered in this match. So maybe they should book some uh, more multi-man matches for Roman. At least one more. One more title defense, but uh, I don't know. I feel like it's too late for that. <laughs> so now the question begs, like, where do where do everyone, what does everyone go from here? Like, who's, where do, who does Roman defend the title uh, against next? Is it Randy Orton, AJ Styles, uh, somebody else? Because I feel like LA Knight's kind of out of the, the question now. So it's like, who does Roman defend that title against next? And who falls to him next? Yes. <laughs> That's the real question until WrestleMania. So, yeah, Roman Reigns retains in a kind of fun, but also pretty predictable um, fatal four-way match. So let's talk about the third and and before second to final uh, matchup here before I'm losing my train of thought here. So that third matchup was United States champion Logan Paul taking on Kevin Owens. Logan Paul won the U.S. title ma- uh, back at Crown Jewel in November and yeah, he didn't defend the title at all prior to that. Barely made any appearances, but you know, still promoting that U.S. title uh, on social media on his podcast. So hey, he's still doing some work in, by the way. So a tournament was set up uh, a month later to determine his first title defense at the Royal Rumble. Um, Kevin Owens would defeat Santos Escobar in the finals uh, in said tournament on the New Year's Revolution episode of SmackDown to earn this match against Logan Paul. So. The focus of this match came um, about on Kevin Owens' storyline injured hand. So that began um, with his feud a month prior or so with Grayson Waller and Austin Theory, I think. I'm not sure where exactly he injured his hand, but um, either way, Logan Paul exploited it further two weeks prior in like a confrontation, but either way. That's a, that was a focal point of this ma- of this match going in. Kevin Owens' injured hand and how he couldn't use the the cast that he uh, that he'd been holding on to for like months now. So that's something to point out. So as for this match itself, it took a little bit of a while for people to get really invested in um, because there was a lot of slow back and forth. But you know, Kevin Owens he had the early advantage, uh, but Logan Paul stopped on Owens' injured hand. Um, and he used some different tactics to gain an advantage, including ripping off his wrist tape, uh, kept stepping on it, and trying to use like AJ Lee's Black Widow um, to try and make Owens tap out. But then Kevin Owens kept fighting out of it. So much later in the match, Logan Paul tried to superplex Kevin Owens, um, and you know trying to follow that advice um, given to him from Corey Graves, say, "Hey Corey, um, I'm gonna do that superplex you told me to do," something like that. But then Kevin Owens uh, countered it with a top rope spinning brain buster for a near fall. It was like, Corey Grace was probably upset about that. It's like, I'm disappointing you, man. Disappointing you, 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 Logan. So much later on, you had Logan hitting his finishing KO punch, his one lucky punch. But Owens became the first one to kick out of that. And then Logan was displeased. He was stunned. So he decided to call over his buddy, Jeff who was the same guy that provided the brass knuckles used to beat up on Rey Mysterio at Crown Jewel. And the referee noticed this, and he had him ejected, or at least tried to. So security came in, and that led to Austin Theory and Grayson Waller also coming out uh, to try and get Jeff unejected. However, as they tried to get that situation settled, Austin Theory uh, was somehow given the knucks, and he passed it over to Logan Paul. So Logan tried to use the Nux, but then he got fruit rolled up. Um, but and then Owens took it from him, and then he KO KO'd Logan Paul. And I like the finish of this match because Kevin Owens looked like he was gonna beat him with his own tactics. And then the referee had the one, two, and then as he was about to make the three count, he exposed Kevin Owens. Uh Kevin Owens had the brass Nux in plain sight. He didn't put it away and was disqualified. So, damn, that was that was a pretty uh, interesting finish. I, I, I really I, I, I really I really like that finish. Um, like like, yeah, disqualification finishes are kind of iffy to some people on pay-per-view. But when they're done creatively, it can be it can be pretty uh, effective. So Kevin Owens was pissed because, well, 
he didn't he didn't do um he didn't hide his cheating tactics well so kevin owens attacked logan paul put him through the announce table with the pop tart power bomb so things clearly not over between these two so i like the finish uh a lot um but yeah it also kind of makes me wonder at the same time it's like why didn't kevin why did they book kevin owens to hide the brass knucks because he was a heel before he knows how to cheat to win but yet here he uses the brass knucks on Logan Paul and yeah, maybe uh, unawareness, but like, didn't, didn't he think that his first instinct was to, you know, take it off, throw it out and then get the win. I don't know. Certainly a choice there. Certainly a choice to have Kevin Owens not throw out the brass knucks after he used it. So anyway, I mean, this assures that we're going to get at least one more match uh, between these two, probably as soon as elimination chamber and perf. Um, Probably will have a clean finish this time around. So, either way, I mean, this is a pretty, pretty solid match. Probably, um, probably the best match of, of the night so far. I mean, aside from the women's Royal Rumble match, like at least the back half of it. So, like, really like the finish. I really like the finish of it. So, there's that. And you're probably going to get one more match out of these two. So, now for the final matchup of the night, which, let's be honest, like, this pay per view has been going by pretty fast. So for four matches, it kind of went by kind of quick. So that was final match, the men's Royal Rumble match. Just like with the women's Royal Rumble match, the 37th men's Royal Rumble match had a few big names um, that had very valid cases to win it all. But um, it was a little, it made it a little less predictable than in the last few years, at least going into it. Um, so some of the announced participants included last year's Royal Rumble winner, Cody Rhodes, the American Nightmare. Previous Rumble winners like Shinsuke Nakamura and Drew McIntyre, the Intercontinental Champion, and well, one of the uh, favorites um, like several months ago, the Ring General, Gunta, Damian Priest, Mr. Money in the Bank, and then the returning CM Punk, who would be competing in his first WWE uh, match since, ironically, uh, 10 years ago, prior, um, in the 2014 Royal Rumble match. So, It'd be interesting how he would do um, in his first match in WWE in, in over 10 years. So it'd be, it'd be an interesting one. And he was one of the favorite, if not the favorite, to win it. So would that come to fruition? Let's talk about it. So I really liked how this match started because you had the Usos. Jimmy and Jay start out at number one and number two. Jay starting at one, Jay at two. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it because... Uh, it started to plant the seeds, begin the initial phases of their eventual WrestleMania match. But I did have a problem with what would happen to them later on. But more on that in a bit. So next, uh, a little bit later, Andrade uh, El Idilo. Um, so for those of you that are unaware, so Andrade was there for a little while in WWE, like um, before, like three years prior. So he made his WWE return at number four, last being last seen in 2021. And then... So he's officially jumped ship from AEW after his contract expired earlier this month. So, yeah, he's back in WWE. I don't know what they're going to do with him. So now we had former NXT champion Carmelo Hayes. Um, next, entering at number five, he eliminated Grayson Waller. So I guess that feud's continuing. Um, a, couple, a couple numbers later, Carlito entered at number 10 and immediately went after Santos Escobar, who dipped out of the ring. So he didn't technically... Eliminate himself. He went under the rope. So that keeps you in the Rumble Rumble match. So uh, funny. I need to point that out. So as long as you don't go over the top rope, you're not eliminated. So that's something to count for. So Carlito was going to eat his signature apple. He was going to spit it on Dominic Mysterio. Uh, Santos came back in and attempted to eliminate him. But Carlito spat the apple on Santos and eliminated him. So haha. The joke's on you, Santos. That's what you get for betraying the L-W-O. So anyway, you had Bobby Lashley enter at number 11, and he was dominating the field, spearing everybody and eliminating his rival, carrying cross. But then he got eliminated um, after being overwhelmed by the rest of the field and getting distracted by the authors of pain, who were not in the match at all, but they came down the ring, tried to continue their feud, and then he got eliminated by the already eliminated Karrion Cross as payback for eliminating him. So afterwards, you had Bobby and the Street Profits brawling with the, the Final Testament. Um, you know, that's the name of their group. 
Um, they rolled to the back as Ludwig Kaiser uh, came out at number 12. So a couple numbers later, last year's Royal Rumble winner, Cody Rhodes, entered at number 15. Um, and of course, before he had to go and try to win the damn thing, he made his usual entrance with the, whoa! And then with the pyro, which, you know, with these, like, baseball entrances, it really makes the pyro look weak. <laughs> um, you know, his it makes his usual entrance look really weak and awkward with the with the little pyro up on the top. Um, and it just makes it awkward. It really makes it awkward that without the pomp and circumstance, if you know what I mean. Especially when, you know, remember like that one time in the Royal Rumble? Uh, not the Royal Rumble. Uh, Money in the Bank. They didn't have the pyro. <laughs> like, and Cody was trying to do the whoa and then the 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 fisting. And there's no pyro. <laughs> it just, just came off as really awkward. It's like, uh, yeah. It's like, maybe you shouldn't do um, those small uh, tunnel entrance things. Because if you don't have pyro and some of these superstars rely on pyro, it, it gets really awkward. It gets really awkward. So anyway, um, Andrade, um, he got eliminated later on by Bronson, big Bronson Reed. Uh, meanwhile, you had Intercontinental Champion and last year's runner-up, the Ring General, Gunta, enter at number 18, and he went on a slapping tear. Even Dominic, he tried to get on the slapping tear on Gunther, but then he got slapped uh, by Gunther himself. So you tried, Dominic, but you failed. Meanwhile, you had NXT's Braun Breaker enter at number 20, the son of, of Scott Steiner. So there you go. Uh, a Steiner entering at number 20, and he went ham. Two immediate eliminations, put on an impressive performance, although one of them came at the expense of Jimmy Uso. So going back to uh, my initial point with the Usos, it's like the, the Usos didn't even, like after their initial point of contact, to start the match. It's like they, they barely even interacted with each other. Um, and that, that, that's kind of a problem here. Like, you know, I thought that, you know, Jimmy would have a hand in causing Jay's elimination or vice versa, but it's like Braun Breaker eliminates him. And then, yeah, it's like Jay later gets eliminated by somebody else, but not because of Jimmy Uso. So it's like, what the hell are we doing here? Like, I forgot to mention this too. Like some of the eliminations in the women's Royal Rumble match were like, Kind of questionable. We're kind of questionable. And same thing with the men's. It's like, so many eliminations, it's like, they're not really doing well to advance so many storylines. So next up at number 21 was Omos, or Omas, who had been MIA since Backlash of last year. And like, man, they really don't have anything for Omos. I, mean, I guess they're really making him a special attraction. But hey, guess you're getting that big money to just sit around and find out. So good for Omos. Next at number 22 was Pat McAfee himself. He had been sitting there all night commentating all these matches. And now he's at the commentary desk. I mean, he has to leave the commentary desk because someone set him up to compete in the Royal Rumble match. His first ever Royal Rumble match. So confused as all hell. Here comes Pat McAfee. Um, and then he decides he's going to go into the Royal Rumble match. He's like confused, but still excited. But then I, I, I'm really confused as to why... Um, not trying to be a Pat McAfee uh, D writer, but it's just like people are not looking at this quite clearly. It's like for people that are not seeing how this went, played out, Pat McAfee eliminated himself because he saw almost he saw almost in the ring. He didn't eliminate himself because he didn't want to compete in the Royal Rumble match. He eliminated himself because he saw in storyline context he saw this seven foot behemoth. He even explained it afterwards. He saw Omos, this seven-foot giant. And, yeah, he was, he, he, even, he was kind of scared. Um, I don't know why people didn't point that out. He's just like, oh, he didn't want to be in the Royal Rumble match. So, he saw Omos, he pussied out, and eliminated himself after, what, 38 seconds. So, Michael Cole mentioned that, oh, I lasted longer than you. Ha, ha, ha. So, he went on to get roasted by Corey Graves and Michael Cole for being a pussy. Um, and... I imagine he probably got roasted on Monday by the rest of his showmates on the Pat McAfee show. And probably Stephen A. Smith, too. <laughs> probably by uh, Mike Greenberg. Um, so, yeah, probably all of his ESPN colleagues, probably his buddies on the Pat McAfee show. They roasted his ass. I bet they did. <laughs> they were wussing out. Um, 
in the Royal Rumble match. So funny moment. I, I so I heavily disagree with people like saying that that was a waste of a Royal Rumble spot. I mean, a little bit, yes, but like, hey, made for a nice moment for Pat McAfee. So he technically did get his a little bit of moment in competing for a Royal Rumble. Um, I Hopefully he gets to compete actually maybe next year, hopefully. So Pat, Pat went right back to commentary. Um, Braun Breaker eliminates Omos pretty easily. That was pretty impressive. But then I don't know why he, he got eliminated by Dominic like right after. That was kind of a stupid elimination. Um, and then right after you have JD McDonough or McDonuts or McDonald or McGoofy Head, McBobblehead, whatever you want to call him. He looks he, he has a really big head. Like, you know, Josh Peck from Drake and Josh. Yeah, he has a big head as big as Josh Peck. So he comes out at number 23, and he immediately gets speared by the eliminated Braun Breaker. So you have JD McDonald uh, sitting there, and then next at number 24, you have R-Truth, conveniently. So R-Truth comes in at number 24, throws JD back in the ring um, to get officially eliminated by Jey Uso. Although I'm pretty sure that JD broke... I'm not sure if he broke the record set by Santino for shortest elimination in a men's rumble, but probably not. Man, that rumble record is really hard to break, huh? <laughs> um, would have been nice. So anyway, um, so for our truth, man, he this he's the MVP, man. He is your MVP of the the rumble um, in 2024, um, because you know he's so funny. He's like he he brings so much. He is like how is he the best thing? on your on your product right now because he has you thinking that the women's Royal Rumble was the men's Royal Rumble <laughs> and then now you have him thinking that this Royal Rumble is a tag team match because he's trying to get Dominic to tag to quote unquote tag him in um, and then Gunther is just watching him like what the fuck is he doing but then he, cho- he goes ahead plays along with it and then he locks Dominic in a sleeper hold and then Dominic is like help me out here I need help and then Dominic realizes the situation finally so he escapes out of that sleeper hold and then Truth gets the tag <laughs> and then he does his Super Cena comeback impression on Gunther and he gets all of it um, almost all of it and Cody and Dominic are just watching and just like what are we watching here right now and then Truth is about to hit the five knuckle shuffle um, but unfortunately Gunther reverses it with the big boot and it's like, damn, let him finish it. Let him finish the five knuckle shuffle. Everyone was already into it with the, you can't see me. I love our truth, man. It's like such gold. Like I'm, I'm, I, I, it, it, it's a wild stretch. They said like you should have won a WWE championship, but regardless, man, truth, love him to death. I really love him to death. But unfortunately the fun ended with our truth because a couple, a couple numbers later, Damian Priest came out at number 26, and despite giving, being given all the money by Truth for his uh, t-shirt sales, he went after our truth and for his continued interference in the Judgment Day and eliminated him. Gave him a hard right and threw him out. It's like, damn. What a joy, what a, what a joy kill. Ouch. So next came out was the perennial favorite in this uh, Men's Royal Rumble, and that was C.M. Punk at number 27. And he came out with a flurry in his first WWE match, well, at least initially. Um, and then Sami Zayn was the last man to enter um, at number 30. We haven't seen him in over a month. And immediately went right after Drew McIntyre for taking him out in storyline a month ago. So things start to go along. Eliminations start to pile on. Um, the final four saw Gunther, Cody, Punk, and Drew. And I want to mention this about Sami Zayn because... He got eliminated by Drew McIntyre in relatively short fashion. And like, shouldn't it have been the other way around? Um, because, you know, Drew gained gained some some justice from Sammy for what he did a month prior, but instead he gets eliminated. He gets um justice served again. But the in reverse. Like, what are we doing here? Like, some of these decision make decisions are like pretty questionable, if you ask me. So anyway, uh, the final four saw Gunther, Cody, Punk, and Drew um, as they cut to the the champions, Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns, watching in separate press boxes. So, you know, kind of highlighting the sort of importance of this match. So 
uh, Drew McIntyre was dominating the field with Claymore kicks to each of them. But then CM Punk had the last laugh, eliminated Drew McIntyre. Uh, Drew looked pissed as all hell um, that he got eliminated. And then Guther was eliminated by Cody again, like last year. So the final two came down to Punk and Cody. So it was going to be one or the other. Was Punk going to get the win that he couldn't get 10 years prior? Or was Cody going to go back to back? So it was an exhausting affair uh, between the two of them for like five additional minutes. Um, and, you know, Co- and especially Punk, he looked gassed. I- I'll say this. He, he looked really gassed. Um, and more on that in a bit, because I have some extra thoughts on that. So everyone thought it's going to be CM Punk. Um, he delivered a GTS. He delivered a pedigree um, on Cody. But then Punk got too arrogant. He was about to deliver one final go to, go to sleep. He, he he said something like, uh, I didn't wait 10 years to lose to Dusty's kid. So he got too arrogant. Um, and he was going to deliver one final go to sleep and eliminate Cody. But then Cody reversed the GTS and surprisingly threw the best in the world, the so-called best in the world, out of the ring. And then, ladies and gentlemen, you have a repeat Royal Rumble winner. So Cody goes back to back. And then immediately shoots his shot to go after Roman Reigns. He's signaling that he's going to finish what he couldn't last year in Hollywood. And he wants to do it in Philadelphia. So, yeah, this Royal, this Ben's Royal Rumble, uh, I don't know. I mean, it had its moments. Like, you know, the R-Truth stuff. The Pat McAfee uh, stuff, which were, were pretty good. But, I don't know. I just felt like, you know, kind of with the the Women's Royal Rumble, I was just waiting. I was just waiting for the final home run stretch. But unlike with the Women's Royal Rumble, where you had a little bit of unpredictability, um, you, there were some pretty good spots in there. And unlike with the the Women's Royal Rumble, however, with the Women's Royal Rumble, though, they they rushed the ending. They let Punk and go, Cody go at it for a long time. It'll be a little too long. Um, and I will admit, though, going back to that point with Punk, he looked pretty gassed. It was pretty, it was really concerning. Um, it looked like that, yeah, if you're going to give this guy a marquee match against Seth Rollins, if that's still the direction at WrestleMania, it that is very alarming. That is very alarming that, um, you know, he looked, he looked like he was going to go um, after he initially, like, had a good couple minutes, but then as you saw the match progress, he was barely getting a lick in. He was barely getting a lick in. And then when it came down to the final two, he was looking absolutely tired, man. So that is very concerning. If that's still the match to go between Punk and Seth, and Seth is going to wrestle cir- circles around him. He's going to completely uh, take him to school. Like, yikes. So that is very alarming. Um, if you're, you're both Seth and Punk. So... For many that thought CM Punk was going to be the new, uh, was going to be the odds on favorite to win this Royal Rumble. The moment he stepped back into WWE two months prior, WWE throws the curveball um, that actually wasn't, that actually ended up being not. And they have Cody go back to back. Like, dude, you know, I, I, like I said months prior that it was going to be Gunther that was going to win the Royal Rumble. But of course, as I said, he's still the Intercontinental Champion. So there's kind of no way that they can do it now. But as I said before, you know, I still had that Cody pick in because, well, you know, he still has that bone to pick with Roman. But as soon as CM Punk came back into the picture, then it's like, damn, you got to go with him now. You have to go with uh, with CM Punk. But when Cody actually, when they actually pulled the trigger on Cody again, I was stunned. I was legit stunned. Um, Look, I'm not the biggest Cody fan, but it's like, I, I see why they did it. I see why they did it. Um, because they made it, making it pretty and obvious and clear that he wants Roman Reigns. He wants to, they're trying to have him do um, what what they honestly should have done last year. Um, and that's quote unquote, finish the story. However, what I want them to do this time around is actually dive deep into what that story is. Kind of explain what that story is yes i know cody hates that i'll finish the story stuff but can i like go in more depth of what actually that means to him 
explain what the story is other than just oh my dad uh, uh i'm trying to do this for the america my my dad the american dream um like explain exactly what this quote-unquote story means for cody rhodes why he wants to finish it because for the last year almost two years we haven't been given a re a, a true reason as to why cody um needs to like absolutely needs to finish this story why he should feel proper to dethrone roman reigns because yes i to some extent i do think it's time for roman reigns to um drop this title and like expand on his own character without the WWE title but at the same time it's like you need to think about well cody when he does actually win the WWE title and how much of an impact it will have when you know if you can explain what finishing the story means to him so I hope they do it right this time. I really hope they do it right this time. Um, but, you know, I doubt it. I really doubt. But if they can, then they got something. They really got something. But then you have to also keep in mind um, what, well, at least, what at least came up in my mind is that are, where, where they're going to have Cody face him. Are they going to have him face, actually, like, stay true to their word? Have him face Roman in Philadelphia at WrestleMania? Or, or are they going to have him face Roman at Elimination Chamber? Are they going to have Cody use his title opportunity very early in Perf? Because remember, The Rock, The Rock is cooking and lurking. So you have to remember that, ladies and gentlemen. Like, yes, The Rock is a long gamer, but if sometimes if the, what The Rock wants, The Rock will get. And... You know, you don't know if WWE and The Rock want that match with Roman at this year's WrestleMania or next year's WrestleMania or at SummerSlam. If it's at this year's WrestleMania, they're probably going to get it. Um, but we have to pay attention in the coming days on how WWE decides to follow up with Cody's second straight Rumble victory. And that happens in Perf. Oh boy, people are going to be really pissed. But if they decide to stick to the plan, then well, people are just that really don't want Cody to finish the story that people don't that want to see rock versus Roman instead. Well, people are going to have a field day regardless. So after for CM Punk, meanwhile, um, I mean, there's always the elimination chamber. Um, if he wants to get to the hobbled world champion, Seth Rollins, but for punk, oh man, I feel like he really needs to, I really need, he needs to have a much better performance than this. Um, because Ooh, that did not look good. That really did not look good for Seth. Uh, not for Seth, for Punk. Yeah, that was really concerning. That was really concerning. I mean, yeah, it's his first W match in over 10 years, but it's like he had been wrestling since, he's been wrestling since uh, even prior to that, like in AEW. So this is really alarming. This is a very alarming wake-up call for people that want this match between Seth and Punk. Very concerning. So anyway, you have your two Royal Rumble winners, uh, Bailey for the women and then Cody for the men. Um, so all in all, I mean, I thought this Royal Rumble was, you know, I thought initially thought it was a solid one. But then, you know, looking back at my notes, looking back at, at some of the things that people said and, you know, looking back at my own thoughts, you know, it, I initially thought it was a solid. But now I look at it, I mean, it's just like, man, there was some questionable decision making um, going on and. I don't know. It is kind of, it is kind of a meh. It's just kind of like a, a little bit, a little bit of a average, below below average pay per view. Like, um, not not the worst one in the world. Not the worst one in the world. I know some people saying, oh, this this one really sucked. Um, one of the worst rumble almost of uh, of all time. And to a degree, yes, it was because nearly half of the field was filled with jobbers that nobody recognized and. Some people will blame the, the crowd and all that, but at the same time, it's like, well, what like what do you expect? Because, well, <laughs> it's filled with people that WWE doesn't give a reason to um, invest in, doesn't give a reason for people to give a shit about. Um, they don't do um, the due diligence to make people care about them. So, in the, in the way, uh, so, I don't know. I just felt like this Royal Rumble, you know, taking a second look at it, it's not the worst one in the world, but it's certainly not the greatest. So I feel like it's just like 
a little below average uh, if you think about it because just like it they pretty much kind of telegraphed it um the week beforehand so like the days beforehand but i mean it doesn't mean the journey to those endings were kind of fun to it um because you know i thought for as disappointed as i was to that ending the one Royal rumble at least the back half of it was pretty solid um and looking back at it um they were kind of fun um probably more so than the men's Royal rumble um, because you know, the men's world was kind of meh, actually more meh than the women's. Um, and the results was really surprising, although not really because Cody was my second pick over, uh, below punk, but I really didn't think they would pull the trigger on Cody again, but for the other matches, like the fatal four way, it was, it was, it was, it was solid, but it was, we all know what the, was the result was going to be. And, but I thought the ending of the night was the DQ finish for the United States championship. Um, very creative. Um, yeah, it was, it was pretty cheap for some people, but um, if you if you add a little creativity to it, then it was nicely done. So we're officially on the roads to WrestleMania again, no pun intended. And uh, well, for as disappointed as it was to some certain aspects of it, I'll be patient. I'll try to be patient with it um, and let it play out. Um, if it gets really uh, crappy, <laughs> then I'm going to have a lot of things to say about it, um, about this roads to WrestleMania. So a lot of things. But we have one more pay-per-view before um, WrestleMania, and that is Elimination Chamber in Perth. So I'm be checking that out in the couple weeks uh, in time. Um, that's after the Super Bowl. So we'll be looking uh, a little bit, a little bit uh, towards that. So, yeah. What did you guys think about the Royal Rumble uh, 2024? Let me know your thoughts about it in the comments below. Did you like the winners, Bailey and Cody Rhodes? Or did you think it should have been someone else? Um, like I did, at least for the Women's Royal Rumble. So if you thought it should have been someone else, let me know in the comments uh, on YouTube or on social media. Send me a DM on on Twitter or Instagram at Lasagna, And let's have a discussion about it. Let's have a discussion about this 2024 Royal Rumble as we begin the road to WrestleMania 40 or WrestleMania Extra Large. Uh, so we'll see what they have uh, cooked up for this upcoming WrestleMania in Philadelphia. But anyway, that is it for this episode of Very Cold Lasagna, episode number 179 of this icy, yes, spicy sports podcast. And signing out of this is your host, Very Cold Lasagna. And stay tuned for the next set of episodes in the AFC and NFC Championship games. Um, so, yeah, we'll find out the winners of those games as I talk about, um, uh, recap them and we get ready for the Super Bowl. So stay tuned for that. But until then, keep that lasagna very cold in the fridge with your takes on the world of sports. And as always, peace out.